send them on and trust that they will hear a good Bible lesson from our volunteers this morning. And as the little children go, God's other little children, the big little children, we're going to stay right here and hear the word of the Lord and the message of God preached to us. Will you please stand for the reading of the word? Revelation, Revelation 5, verses 8 through 14, and 7, 15 through 17. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the sea and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Good morning. Howard Brown here again. And and this scripture again. Um, As we continue our sermon series um, on engaging a world, Um, And engaging the world um, is part of our vision statement, part of our mission statement, rather. Um, And this engaging the world is about how we are called to influence the world for their good and God's glory. I'm going to go back, um, and this was the third point of a sermon I preached a few weeks ago on on the lion's share. But um, I just want to go back and slow down a little bit and make sure you got it. And um, it is my privilege as the pastor to do that. So we're going to go back. Um, and Because there was more there I wanted you to get from this idea of privilege that I thought would be helpful. Um, and how God uses it in our lives to make a divine difference in this world. And there are two points we'll cover today. We're going to flesh it out a lot. Um, about engaging the world with privilege. First, our privilege is a gift. Our privilege is a gift. And secondly, God's privilege is by grace. It's a gift, and it's by grace. Now, lately, privilege has not been a good word, especially when associated with class and ethnic inequality, such as the term white privilege. And some of us are afraid then of admitting privilege 
Or we try to justify it by talking about how hard we work or about how generations ago your family was poor too. And hey, we came over on a boat too. We were immigrants too. And you can understand why privilege gets a bad rap. Not just from what you may have seen in your world or experience, but even in this passage this morning. Look again at our Revelation 7 passage. Look how society is described here. Hunger and thirst, which means bad resource management and greed. And then being struck and scorched by the sun, which implies some form of slave labor where you can't get a break or unjust work conditions. It means big business riding on top of and getting rich on bad labor practices. When it says that Jesus is going to come and give us living waters, you know what living waters means? It means change and refreshment, which tells us that things are stale and stagnant in our world. And it speaks to this, that it seems like the rich stay rich and get richer and the poor stay poor and that sin stays in charge. And then the tears point to broken people and broken hearts, to people who are unseen and uncared for, generations of people, whole groups of people, whole countries of people are lost Right? And there you have the part about God guiding them to living waters. And it means people are lost about where to get help for their lives. And here's the hard part. The misuse of privilege caused and sustains much of that turmoil we see in chapter 7. Which is so backward, y'all, from what we see in chapter 5, right? which is that God has given privilege as a gift to our world. And we can see here that all privilege is actually his, God's, to give. Look at this passage in chapter 5 again. Look at what verse 11 and 12 tells us. John is seeing this vision of heaven in a vision of, of, of let me call it the throne room of God, the control center of God, right? Right? He says, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And this is what they said with a loud voice, y'all. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive what? Power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Y'all just saying some of that, right? Power, wealth, wisdom, might, Honor, glory, and blessing, if you didn't know, those are the pillars, like the pillars or the stuff that goes into privilege. And this passage is saying that Jesus alone, hear me carefully, Jesus alone as the Lamb of God on the throne as Lord, he alone do, deserves it. He alone deserves all that privilege. That, that he earned it straight out. He got his privilege pure and right. There's no historical badness in his privilege getting, right? It belongs to him. And in contrast then, all the privilege that we have and enjoy cannot 
and couldn't be all ours because we, unlike Jesus, are not worthy to receive it and have it. As a matter of fact, because of our brokenness and sin, we actually cause, as I've already explained, and become the opposite of the picture of Christ's privilege. Like chapter 7 describes, right? We are caught at being hungry and thirsty. I mean, not really and figuratively. Ruined and damaged by, by just working here and living here and then having no hope to change things. And sometimes we live without pleasure and joy, which is also a privilege. But chapter 5 is saying, if we do have privilege, it could have only come from one person and one place ultimately. The one who alone deserves and earns it. It comes from the Son of Man. Big Brother Almighty, right? Jesus Christ. What does that privilege look like? What does having and being gifted power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and blessing look like? And what does it mean? I looked up each one of these words, and this is what I got from it. You know, sometimes you have to kind of go behind the words, y'all, and it fleshes it out. You know, I don't, I don't want my up here trying to bore y'all to death or put y'all through class, but you need to know this. Y'all hear me? Okay, let's flesh out what... This, these, these uh, words mean power. When I looked it up in the original language, you can do it too. There's all kinds of programs to do it. I ain't special. Power means having control over people and systems. You have an army of connections that can do what you want. You roll deep, right? And indelibly, right? People do what you say. Power. You push the button on systems and people, boom, it changes everything. Then when it says riches, it means, you guessed it, being rich. Money, assets, bank, good credit, wealth, stuff, tax bracket, family wealth. And then when it says wisdom as a privilege, it means smarts. You're brilliant. You, you get it. You, you, you know stuff. Right? And then the term might here. It is actually different than the term power. In that this is individual ability to actually do something. Not just know-how, but you got skills. Right? You can create and shape and bend stuff. Not just YouTube and Wikipedia and watching HGTV like I do. You can do the thing. And then honor. It actually means being in a position and place of influence. Like some of you are in positions and places of influence as mother and father over your families. You are managers and teachers in the classroom, right? You are in a spot of authority and people look to you for stuff and glory. It means you got weight. You got swag, as some people say, and confidence. When you walk into a place, the room sort of tilts, right? It tilts to your words and your voice in a way, in your way. And finally, blessing. Blessing here means people just like doing things for you. They think you're great. You have street cred. You are trusted. This is the picture and description of privilege. And in every way, 
It defines the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb and Son of God, the King of Kings. But in many ways, guess what? It describes you and me. Because human beings are created by God to be recipients of worldly and earthly pleasures. I mean, sorry, privileges unlike any other created thing. The exercise of privilege for God's glory, right? To reflect him on earth unlike any other creation for the good of the world is what it means to actually be human. It is human to be privileged. And if you're privileged, as you are, created in the image and likeness of God, that means you're human. That's what verse 9 and 10 is talking about. Let us look at it together. It says here, um, and then they sang a new song, and these singers, they, they telling you what's going on, right? Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. And it says this, and they shall reign on the earth. To reign means to live out in your, live out your God-given privilege, right? To take all that is not ultimately yours, but has been gift, truly gifted to you by God and use it to, to spread his glory and truth and love and all he has to give to, to make God proud and famous on the earth and to be able to get and give happiness and joy in living and doing it that way. You know, when I was a kid, nothing could have been better than being the birthday boy, right? Nothing! was better than being a kid on Christmas morning, right? All you had to do was walk downstairs. And what was it for me? Gifts galore. Sometimes I just stand at the top of the stairs and look at the moonlight shining on things, trying to figure it out. Man, who wouldn't want to be a kid at Christmas time? There's no better place. You get all the gifts, right? You didn't have to get up at 2 in the morning. And, okay, let me not do that because some of y'all still got Santa. I thought being a kid was the best thing until I became a father. And in a real interesting way now, nothing could be more satisfying than, be count, than being counted on, right? Nothing is more satisfying to me. I would rather get nothing for Christmas if I can be the one who actually can be the Santa, the one who gets to share and invite and make holidays and vacation happen. And happen. God has called us to exercise our privilege with joy, to help us participate in the joy using the gifts of his privilege to bless the world and each other. But this diverse people, picture people, here in verse 9 and 10 tells us something. God has not given all the privileges to one person or to one people group. And that is when we come together, right? One day, this picture saying one day, all together in heaven. But I, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and push this. Yeah, in heaven one day, but in a small way today as a church. That we can see more how God's gift of diverse kinds of privilege coming together 
can be used to powerfully engage and be a blessing to each other and to our city and to our world in a way that we alone with our kinds of privilege and the ways we've been gifted privilege, we can't do alone. Some of you have money. Some of you got skills and are creative. Some of you, you have personality. You just got that, uh-oh, thank you. See, I knew I was going to stumble. I took Spanish. Some of you know people. Man, some of y'all I talk to, yeah, I know them. I met them. How you know? You got the Rolodex mind. Like, your Facebook, you got 200,000 people, and you know them, right? You send them a message on Messenger or whatever, and they hit you back, Right? Some of you are well-networked like that. And some of you are the right gender or ethnic group in the right situation at the right time in history or place or space. Some of you can have babies. And others don't and can't, right? Some of you are mighty and can make things happen. Some of you, especially older saints, just got glory and weight, right? I remember, man, when, when we'd hang around and my granddad would be in there, my granddad would just sit in the corner with his eyes closed. <laughs> right? And we'll just be talking. Especially me. Yeah, let me tell you what I learned. And you just be, and you know, my family, ain't nobody really listening to nobody else. We just jumping on, jumping to who can say the most and oh, who can t- talk the loudest gets to take over. And my granddaddy, that ain't the way it is. It's this way. And that was it. <laughs> then he go back with his eyes closed, right? <laughs> oh, how he got that privilege? Because he live long, right? Deacon Goodwin doesn't live long. And none of that is just yours for just you. It's God's gift for you to enjoy having for the benefit of blessing this world with the goodness of God, y'all. We need to wake up just in this church. We got people with resources and others who don't have, but a lot are skilled at spending and managing it, right? We got women who out there driving 18-wheelers, running over folk. Raise your hand. Ah! That's some privilege. Don't put me in no truck. I can't drive my minivan. <laughs> this morning, uh, yeah, I was trying to back in, and Rick, our bass player, was like, stop right there, Pastor Brown. Stop. <laughs> we got others working at the Gap. They can tell you where to shop, when, know where to get the sale. Ain't that you? Lo- I shouldn't tell. Okay, sorry. I got some good stuff. Thank you. Anyway, so... You got that? We got uh, tennis playing, CPAs, and artists galore. We got a couple guys who can build anything you need, right? We got another dude who can expect it and has the power to say yes or no to what's been built and folks who can bake and who can show you where to serve and do missions all over the world. And we got another who knows how to make maple whiskey. I know who you are. Don't... I'm going to find out how good it is, too. It's going to be released soon, right? You, 
that's some privilege right there to be able to make some whiskey. You get a lot of friends like that. You know what I'm saying? You get a lot and you lose a lot over some whiskey. Let me tell you. We got doctors and counselors who know you and what is going on with you better than you. Right? And even the man, he ain't here today, who's rolled in here every week, who used to run and network, I'm using some good words for it, <laughs> and resources way like no one else through the Noda neighborhood, who is affectionately called the mayor of Noda. We got privilege running deep in this church, y'all. And your ability to have and be and do and know and work it are a divine allowance to change the world, to in your own space and place, of course, but, but, but to also be able to be like, okay, the Avengers, right? The, or Voltron. Okay, I'm going deep now. Or Power Rangers with that thing, right? And kind of bring it together. To be not like the infinity stones, but affinity stones, right? Where you're good at something brought together in the gauntlet of God's plan to turn back the fall, to bring relief, to bring rest, to bring instruction and truth and dignity and health and wholeness and leadership and freedom. You need to recognize your God-given privilege and use it as a gift God has given to you. You know, it was believers who started the first hospitals and free education who had the idea behind, this is gonna sound kind of strange, right? Public houses, right? Like hanging out in pubs and, 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 and meeting places and, and hospitality places and, and hotels, which are efforts to give people a place to live and, and, and places to get food, right? And there were believers who were behind art and music, funding and development. I was looking in my AME liturgy book the other day. I'm from the African Methodist Episcopal Church, but that's my background. And they had dedications for instruments, like, they care deeply about the arts and, and funding things like an organ and those sort of things. And, and they had a dedication for hospitals and ministry houses and education buildings and, and all kind of ministries. Not that I think it should be owned by the church. I don't want to do that. I don't want my face in front of the van and all that. We ain't doing that. <laughs> Cutting the big ribbon, I don't need that. That ain't me. But you should be out there, right? Now, I don't think it should be owned by the church, but started and established and even the things that exist, reformed by the people of the church. What happened to us, man? What happened to, to privilege being a good thing and, and us being able to use it in ways that would glorify God as the scriptures called us to? I think in large part, and I hate to do this because I, I, I want to I, I be large too, right? I want to I be large in the charge, right? I, I look around Charlotte and the pastors, man, I want to be like them. But I think in large part, instead of the church being a place where church leaders were being equipped and encouraged, and sending people to use their God-given privileges out in the world, I think church leaders and churches hoarded those privileges and made kings and queens of themselves and of their church leaders over their church kingdoms instead of the king of the world, Jesus. And God is using, right? 
and wanting and able to use his gift of privilege in your life, in this world. But some of us are owning it as if it were our own. And that's the problem. We look at our stuff. We look at what we've got. We look at our degrees. We look at our place of influence. And the worst thing we can do is say, hey, look how great I have it. Look how hard I've worked to get here. Other of us, we just poo-poo it, right? It's not as important because we don't have no richness with ours. I ain't got no money, so it don't matter. What? I'm not important. Or, or we black, or we a woman, or we a mother, or we single, or we disabled, or we old, or we too young, or we too white, or, or got to hold it or lose it, or we, we don't see how important we are to the whole. Or some of us are sidelined, guess what, by failure, by suffering some setbacks, by being knocked down by Satan and circumstance. And you know what we need? We need to be healed somewhere and stop sitting in that God-given privilege and get back in the game, which means someone needs to tell you, if you didn't know, that you are walking around with God's stuff inside of you. You have God's property in you. Or someone needs to bring you in with everyone else so you can hear and see how useful you are are by being joined together with others in mission. Amen. Pastor Amari got a class going on right now. I'll be doing some further sermons on this. We're going to spend some time on engaging the world and, and kind of understanding our calling as people. Again, in, in, in the world, you know, it's a cultic personality. All y'all looking up here. But as y'all are looking up here, I'm looking out there saying, my Lord, look what God got going on, Right? I'm impressed with y'all. You know why? Because you're human. And if you're human, you get, you're born in the image and likeness of God, and you're walking with a degree of privilege and dignity. You just have to have that thing teased out, right? You need to have that thing, a fire put under that thing, so that you can be, so you can grow in your privilege and know how God's called you in the world. But that privilege is not the powerful blessing for us in our world if it isn't privilege. Here's the hard part, y'all. I didn't preach all that. If it isn't privilege born or reborn out of God's grace. Now go back and look at how all our privileges are given, right? Look at verse 9. It says here, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seal. Why? Why? For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Drop down to verse 12. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, hear this, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Do you see a common theme? At least one. <laughs> the call and ability to reign and to exercise privilege in a way that is a blessing only comes from what Jesus does in the lives of broken people. Right? So, so the privilege you have is not a blessing, right? It's hard for it to be a blessing. It's hard for it not to eat you alive unless Jesus comes in and redeems that thing in you. How can I say this? Privilege without Jesus is gangster, right? Let's use that one. 
Let's go with that. Maybe make some t-shirts. Privilege without Jesus is gangsta, right? What do I mean by that? It's shiny, and it has the right brands on the outside. It gives you the swag, but it is broken and shallow and weak and corrupt and harmful to others on the inside, right? Exercising privilege apart from God's grace is nothing short of organized crime. Because you using something that's not yours in a way that it wasn't intended to be used unless he is sitting on the throne and, the lamb, and he is the lamb in your life. You gangster, right? So, so, so privilege, real privilege, God's privilege is activated in our lives, not when God changes things on the outside, right? So, so, so you hear a lot of this, oh God, we, we, we need to be blessed, right? So God's privilege is, doesn't become powerful or activated in our lives when, when God changes everything on the outside like this. God, make me richer. Man, I pray that a lot when I go get my lotto ticket, right? Like, just But God, make us richer, right? Or, or, or make us more successful or make me more influential. That, that's not the thing. If God gave you more riches and more influence and, and more success, without him, you just become more gangster, right? I mean, make, but when he changes us on the outside, right? Um, on the inside, rather, by being the lamb, by dying for our sinfulness and then living on the throne of our lives, this old little campus thing, living in the throne of our hearts, right? And that, and that transforms and shapes how we use our God-given privileges of earth. Got some bad news. You see, we don't truly have the ability for our, for our privileges, from our privileges to make things better the way God wants them better. Or for us to be made better by them. As a matter of fact, like we saw earlier, and this is what you see in your world, y'all. This is what you see. Privilege without Jesus as Lord and Savior, without Jesus saving and changing our souls, means we will have privilege apart from the Lord. And when that happens, let me flesh it out about the gangster thing. Our privilege takes the world and us the opposite direction of where he wants to go. So we've established every human being has privilege. But apart from that privilege being shaped and transformed by the gospel, what happens? Our privilege, chapter 7 is your, is your, is your, uh, your passage, is your reference here, right? Instead of our privilege producing mercy and grace and relief, relief and hunger and thirst relief and justice and truth and guidance for others, it becomes a self-centered weight on us and a hammer to others. Our privilege can cause pain for others and then we rule over others and judge others in this world with no mercy, with self-righteous judgment of thinking we are better. Or thinking, here we go, we are worse than others. And that kind of privilege, ironically, get this privilege, ironically produces more hunger and thirst than it started with before it started working. So we take our privilege in the world, and without Christ, right, we produce more issues 
That kind of privilege means that our abilities and money and power drive us instead of freeing us. We are scorched and struck by the hard work and keeping up and trying to stay ahead. And we will be tyrants and unjust to others to make it and keep ourselves happy. And it will just leave us all in tears. You know what broken, non-grace-based gangster privilege looks like? He kind of explained himself a little bit. But it looks like Kanye West with a worldwide media mic. Right? Just, I got the privilege to say it. I'm, I'm going to just say it. Right? It looked like Kim Jong-un, right? Get brother getting a little bit, looked like a little glimmer of hope. Maybe it looks like a man in Bill Cosby who was called America's dad and who actually raised the dignity of African-Americans as a producer, writer, and actor using that same line of privilege to violate people. Maybe it looks like the 2008 stock market crash and golden parachutes. And it looks like really bad stuff in history, like Jim Jones and Hitler. And really, I watched this documentary on... Uh, Birth of a Nation, the movie that came out in the early 1900s, and how perfect that movie was and how they actually used that movie based on the Klan and, um, and, and, and white supremacy. How that movie, the way it was done, if you're in film school, you watch that movie as an example of how to do film well, right? So the artistry of, of that man was used to make Birth of a Nation movie and stuff like slavery and persecution and oppression of, of the Irish and poor Scottish during a time of famine and hunger in Europe and, and war, and it looks like domestic and child abuse and ghettos and abortions and unwanted abandoned children all over the place and unemployment and kids without arts in school and teachers getting underpaid and nature and our food getting misused and manipulated. And it looks like you just putting on a liberal or conservative political or religious blanket and covering up and protecting yourself and being divisive. Privilege without grace. But the Bible is teaching y'all that Jesus suffered all the pains of abusive privilege. The victim kind and the tyranny to save God's gifts of privilege, to redeem them, to begin to heal them on us. And if you call yourself a believer today, there is no two ways about it. It means by God's grace, you have been adopted into a family of divine privileges, and now you share in the heritage and wealth and power and glory and honor and might and blessing of the family of God by grace. Now, right? And there is no other way to live in this world. You, if you come to Christ by grace, if he is your Lord on the throne and the Savior is the Lamb, you are now a person who has the unique privilege of being a son and daughter of God. And now you, by grace, are in the world's most powerful family people of God. So use your privilege by grace in the confidence that Christ is going to redeem it and you. I know there's a lot of fear in using it. There's a lot of fear in seeing what you do as being something that glorifies God, but there is no fear in grace. One of the shows I really like on Netflix is The Crown. Who, anybody else watch The Crown? 
You know, that thing kind of good. It's a great show, which is like a biography, loosely adapted biography of, about the current queen of England, Elizabeth. And it shows the inner workings of being in the royal family. And there is a hard irony about it, right? The queens and kings of England have the most privilege of any person in the empire, right? But when I watched this show, no one actually wanted to sit on the throne. Isn't that funny? <laughs> they just wanted to be in the royal family and get all the, right, you know, privileges and perks, right? But no one wanted to be the king or the queen on the throne. Why? Because it would mean the end of your fun life. In fact, it was hinted at that before Elizabeth became queen that her father had the unfortunate bad luck of someone becoming king because his older brother wanted to do his own immoral thing and it caused him to become king as a result and that position caused him so much pain that it eventually killed him. Which meant deep down, if you were in the royal family, the goal was to have all the privileges and all the freedoms, and none of the weight, and death, and pain. This is grace, y'all. The world has called you to live privilege by becoming the kings and queens of your lives. That's what the world says. To use and find your own way at gaining might and honor and glory and riches. But the Bible promises that living like that is too much and that it will kill you and your soul. If you sit on the throne of your own life, it will cause you tears and pressure of privilege. It might make you bow out and not be responsible like the king who ran away. You see, God's gifts of privilege are too much for you too. And for you and me, who are not just mere humans, we, mere, we are merely broken humans, right? Who crack and fade when it comes to privilege and using it rightly and as a blessing. But Jesus, right, came to be the king of our privilege, by becoming a king who would take all the pressures and responsibilities of the world while dealing with all of us who get and got the privilege and the freedoms and blessing of them. We get the royal privilege and power. And guess what? Jesus gets to die and suffer and take responsibility for our mistakes. That's grace, y'all. It isn't fair. It's just how God loves us. He became the king who would die so that our privileges would be powerful and not leave us hungry and thirsty and scorched and exhausted. But rather, that what, we, what Jesus did and does in our lives as a sacrificial king, it wipes the sweat from our heads and tears from our eyes. It motivates and moves us and changes us to do the same. To see it as our privilege to engage this world with the privilege that God has gifted us with and the privilege God gives us by grace. Every single one of you believers in here has a gift of privilege that God is going to use and can use to change this world for good.
and his glory. But it must come understanding he's the king. You're the child. You have the privilege. He has the pain, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, free us. Many of us are, have a lot of privilege and we don't know where to use it. Help us in these coming weeks to figure out where our ministry is, where our calling is. I pray for those of us, Lord, who have taken our privilege and squandered it buried it, hated it, not found a place for it. Help us in these coming weeks to see where we should go with this in our world. Some of us think we're not much because we see the privileges that you've given others. We see the privileges that the world values. Help us, Lord, to look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Help us, Lord, to glorify and praise you for who you've made us and how you've made us. And by all means, help us to live in our privileges and our gifts by grace by seeing that you sit on the throne, you control this thing, you suffer, you die. Do this for us, Lord, as we begin to slowly unwind what it means to engage this world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.